Welcome back, golfers, industry participants, to another episode of the GIR Golf Industry Roundtable. We took a little respite, Rob, over the holidays and uh, have been re remiss in, in getting back into the fold in 2021. And so we're so excited to do that today. Uh, I'll toss it over to you, Rob, to introduce our first repeat guest, I think. Yes. So repeat guest. Exciting to have him back. We uh, we had a great conversation the first time around. And as the 2021 season for most golf courses, summer in the, the heart of their season right now, a lot of the warm weather states is the heart of their season and hopefully uh, travel is not having too much of a negative impact uh, there for some of those states. They're, they're continuing to see what they would normally see in, in some respects. Um, but as the season's getting ready to kick off, very timely to have our friend from the Pellucid perspective, Jim Copenhaver, uh, back on. He's got his Karnak envelope ready to hold up to his forehead and tell us exactly what's going to happen this what's year. All happen. the plans. This is how you. This is what your season's going to look like. So predictions, predictions. This is it. So welcome back, Jim. No, no pressure now. Yep. Thanks, and uh, it's good to be back. Yeah. If I knew the answers to that, I'd be trading stocks somewhere instead of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> GameStop, baby. GameStop. Yeah. Starting rumors on forums and getting it going, huh? Right. So. As you mentioned, uh, greetings everybody from Pellucid's World Headquarters here in the suburbs of Chicago. I was talking to Kyle and Rob uh, before this. Uh, Rob in San Diego and Kyle in Orlando who said he's been in his swimming pool you know, every day for the past week. Uh, we've got about 18 inches of snow on the ground out there, and today's the start of the big melt. Uh, it's about 40 degrees here in Chicago. So we're anticipating and looking forward to the beginning of the season here. Uh, this is going to be a bunch of much needed moisture for the courses. So I think when we open up in March or April, uh, we're going to have great conditions here in Chicago. As everybody knows, we came off just a, a banner 20 uh, for multiple reasons, but most of it due to COVID restrictions and golf getting kind of a, a pass as to uh, accepted recreation. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that uh, when I talk about the rallying cry for uh, 2021 uh, which uh, people who have read the perspective, it's uh, retain half the gain in 21. So it's kind of a curious statement uh, for a rallying cry, but I'll explain uh, kind of what that means and why. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the invite back. That's always a good sign when somebody invites you back to talk yeah. again. That means you didn't screw it up really badly the first time. <laughs> so. no, not, not really bad. Not really bad. <laughs> we did okay. But when I think we last... Go ahead, Jim. When we last left our heroes, uh, we were trying to project how 20 was going to finish. I, I think we yeah. talked in August right. of last year, and it turned out that kind of my projection was um, too short. Uh, I was calling for us to be up 8 to 10% in rounds for the finish of 20. We ended up four, up 14. Uh, so it was one of those things where I thought we'd get a little tail in the fourth quarter, um, but the rounds increases, you know, just kept going up every month. In August, it was 22%. In July, it was 25%. In uh, uh, sorry, in September, it was 25 In October, it was 29 It wasn't until December when we fell back from 35% in November to only plus 27% in December. Yeah, okay. So I had the fortune in December and the perspective of saying, you know, we kind of broke our streak, but I never thought I'd be writing about hey, we only got 27% increase in rounds in December. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that that's a good, a really good place for us to to begin is is that what you mentioned, the, the 2021, you know, rally and cry, you know, what, um, what do you think courses should be looking 
to do or, or, or hit or marks or targets or goals for their, their 21 season, you know, kind of based on where we left off. Yep. So we finished um, 2020 at 493 million rounds by our projection. That was up 60 million rounds. So if you think about it, we went from 19 to 20, from 433 to 493. Um, and basically that 493 uh, was a high watermark since uh, 2001, I think it was, when we were over 500 million. So as I look at it, and a large part of that we know was due to COVID, uh, and that was uh, as much as I would like to be a cheerleader for the industry and say that, you know, people just found religion and everybody <laughs> fell in love with golf, uh, right. we benefited from the fact that we were one of the few sanctioned and approved um, recreational pursuits. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a combination, I don't know how much yet, of people trying golf and coming back to golf, but also people having no other choice. <laughs> but saying, hey, I want to get outside. I want to exercise a little bit. Golf is approved. I'm going to try it. So one of the fun things that it will be interesting to see as we play into 21 is as those recreational things come back online, and I'm hopeful you know, that COVID will be more under control by the middle of the summer, it will be how many of those people can we hang on to as those other activities come back uh, online and they have other options. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that, that I've been preaching, so to speak, uh, you know, through the, you were a guest in our, our golf industry gurus webinar series as well. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been, we've been talking is, you know, re retention is really going to be such a big key in, in 2021. And, you know, in courses, finding a path to connecting with all those people that came out in, in 2020 and, and what's going to attract them and keep them back and make them loyal customers in, in 2021. To talk about this a little bit deeper, and, and maybe you have some perspective, no pun intended there, uh, but some, some perspective on, on what uh, 2021 will look like relative to the economy. I know a lot of economists, and it's kind of surprising to me, you know, with my economics background, that, that this is the prediction right now, but a lot are predicting still a, a relatively strong economic year overall in, in the country. I question that. I question what the value of the dollar is going to be and maintain throughout the course of this year. And, and um, you know, as a lot of the stimulus packages go away and some of the unemployment bumps and a lot of these things go away and small businesses look to try to recover and people look to get back to work. You know, what, what are you guys seeing? Like, what is the perspective on what role the economy is going to play throughout the course of this year? If you had to, like I said, hold that envelope up to the forehead and make a prediction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like 10 different directions we could go for that uh, from that in the, uh, in the uh, concern for time. Let me just take a couple of them. And to your point, I mean, if I were an economist or had any special insight into this stuff, I probably wouldn't be trying to figure out what's going to happen in the golf industry. Uh, I mean, what you've seen a lot is written. It's really COVID is a tale of two cities. It's a tale of working class people who have been disrupted from their jobs and their main source of income who are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and it has had significant damage on their economic situation. So that obviously will not bode well for golf because we're a game of discretionary time and income. But on the other side, and what I think will be the overriding factor is it's also been in the other side of that equation, 
it's been a time of increased personal savings and actually better economics. So our household is one of the fortunate households. I mean, when you take away all the entertainment and all the things, the vacations and travel that we spend money on over COVID, we have amassed more savings uh, and more discretionary income and, you know, a, a heightened desire to go do that stuff. So I think what's going to happen as we come out of here, obviously the cruise ships and the hotel companies and the rest of that are, are banking on. I think we're going to see that uh, there's going to be an unleashing uh, of amassed wealth and, and kind of pent up demand for this stuff. And I think golf will benefit from that and that the avid golfers, you know, one of the interesting things NGF just released a couple of weeks ago, we were saying we think there's going to be three to five million new golfers in 20 when we get our consumer survey back in March or April. NGF's take on it from their survey is saying we agree with that, but we think there is an equal amount of what were former golfers who stopped playing in 20 due to COVID just because they, you know, hunkered down and said, I'm not even going to do that. So it'll be very interesting. Their net take was we're going to be up net about 500,000 golfers gaining 5 million and shedding four and a half. So that, that's going to be a really interesting one to see how that plays out. Yeah. But I do think in 2021, you know, we're going to benefit somewhat from this accumulated wealth and people wanting to get out and some number of the golfer base that didn't come out in 20 will come back. So it's going to be just an interesting exercise on what are the puts and calls of those two opposing forces against each other. You, you mentioned sort of the, the tail end numbers in 20. Is it too early in the year to, to see what January did? Uh, it is. Uh, and we're going to touch on a little bit later. Uh, one of the things that, that we're going to talk about is uh, an initiative we're doing for uh, GMRC or Golf Market Research Center. We have about 40 courses in Texas who are already in our pilot. Uh, and so we have the ability to see their numbers for January. So again, 40 courses in Texas is not representative of the United States, but what we're seeing and the ones that have uh, put their data in, we've had a chance to take a look at, um, the strength has continued in January from what we're seeing in their back half numbers in 20. So I'm cautiously optimistic that that tiny little peak that I've got into um, January uh, is encouraging to me. But well, Kyle, going back and, and talking, I'm sorry, Rob, go ahead. No, well, I mean, uh, just to touch on January really quickly too, January is still kind of like comparing 2020 to 2019 because January was all pre-quarantine, pre-everything. So January 2021 numbers are going to be compared to everything pre-COVID really still. Yeah, I wasn't so concerned about the year over year, just that we were maintaining the momentum. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that brings me, let's circle back to my maintain half the gain in 21. Yeah. So here, we're going to get out our props. So Jim, <laughs> imitating Karnak the Great. Um, what I'm calling for or hoping is, I mean, we went from 433 million in 19 to 493. My sense is, and Kyle, you hit on a good point. So what the year is going to look like in my mind is in the first half of the year, our comps are not going to be in, in the first quarter, our comps are not going to be tremendously good because as Kyle and, and Rob both mentioned, I mean, that was pre-COVID. So we yeah. were on our first quarter last year looked pretty good. We were like, hey, the weather's cooperating, the rounds are going up slightly. So I think the first quarter is going to be an interesting comp. 
The second quarter, the comps are going to go through the roof because that was, you know, when we shut down last year. So our baseline is going to be like half of what it should have been. And we're going to be just steaming ahead. And then we're going to hit a wall in comps because then we're going to hit third quarter with this phenomenal number and fourth quarter with this phenomenal number. And now recreation is going to be coming back online. Right. So I think what's going to be challenging in 2021 is the first quarter is going to be like, hey, it's going up. That's good. Second quarter is going to be it's going way up. Wow, this is great. <laughs> and then third quarter, we're going to we're going to get hit by a truck as far as comps go. So kind of what my thinking is on the total is if we could maintain half the game. So if we could maintain a 30 million increment to 19, which would be about 464. My sense is with the coming uh, back online of entertainment and recreation, that would represent that we were able to both keep a number of people who entered the game due to COVID, as well as we're going to get some of the people back who were in the franchise who refrained from it during COVID. And I think that 464 would be a really nice number to settle into at the end of 21, given all the whipsaws. The other interesting fact about that 464 is we've watched for the past 20 years what we call supply-demand equilibrium, and, and we've beat this to death, but we basically overbuilt the supply between 00, zero and 10, and then after we overbuilt the supply, rounds demand started declining, and we got in this really bad situation where we were about 15% oversupplied relative to demand. If we could settle back into 464 million at the end of 21, actually we would not have a supply demand inequilibrium situation anymore. So we, we would have gone from being 15% oversupplied to we have the right number of courses. Now they're not distributed correctly necessarily. That's not saying that market by market we have the right number, but nationally we'd have the right number and it's also not saying that the type of facility is correct, which means in that period where we overbuilt, we overbuilt public premium. And so the drawdown that we've seen has been across all three of the public regulation classes we track, public premium, public value, and public price. And what in effect needed to happen was we needed to shed more public premium. But the good news would be if we could settle into 464 at the end of 21, at a national level, this whole situation that the NGF helped correct with their uh, or cre create with build a course a day, it could go away in a very short period of time. Versus, I was saying we're bleeding off supply about one percent a year. Therefore, to get back into equilibrium, we're 15 years away from equilibrium. COVID will have made a huge liar out of me on that particular point. Yeah, so that, that's one interesting thing that you bring up there, Jim, and it's something that I don't think we've touched on at all, or anybody's really touched on. What has has there been a um, a supply growth uh, be, because of this? Have a number of what have we seen? I'm not aware of this. Have, have we seen a number of openings um, no. related? No, basically what COVID was, was a stay of execution for a number of courses who were on the bubble. So if you look at the last year numbers, we had 18, 18 whole equivalent new courses last year. Of those, 12 were reopens okay. from being closed in bankruptcy, um, went to seed, 
community rallied around it, had to go through all the courts, you know, four years later it reopened. So net net new by our tracking was a whopping six courses last year. Well, that's hardly anything. I mean, no. that, but that really highlights the point of how important maintaining in, in 2021 is going to be because those that were on that bubble now, if they don't maintain, I mean, it's just going to be a quick return to that bubble or maybe push somebody else in their market out because they've put something better in, in front of the golfers that were, you know, participating there in their, their areas. So, yeah. So the good thing though was, I mean, it was an immediate cash infusion to those courses, but yeah, we've done quite a few studies on those courses over the past five years. They have much bigger issues that COVID if it, if it lasts a year. I mean, if we retain the benefit and we get this huge halo off of it, then perhaps it will save some number of them. But the other ones, I mean, the biggest thing they're running into is they're having problems making ends meet at operating income. And then they've got this seven-figure CapEx looming. They haven't replaced the irrigation system in 15 years. That's, you know, a several hundred thousand dollar expense. Their, you know, maintenance facilities need a complete overhaul. Their clubhouse, you know, is still, you know, operating on the 2005 standard. So that's been the biggest thing. And COVID, unfortunately, is not going to fix a seven-figure uh, CapEx thing looming over you. Mm -hmm. So as the season unfolds, how do courses, as they're operating, identify in this, this year of retaining, maintaining, even if it's only half of the bump, how do they identify what's working, what's not, how to, uh, to drive into their, their market the right way based on some portion of the season's returns or you know KPIs, whatever they might be looking at to determine what's going on? How do, how yeah. do we help them there? Yeah, the biggest thing that I see there is in 2020, I mean, as an industry and as golf operators, we were just reacting to what COVID threw at us. I mean, it was like, you're open this week, you're not. You have to put a divider in the cart, you don't. You know, you have to do touchless transactions. No, you don't. You can have 10-minute tee time spacings, you can't. So as I look at it, the opportunity we missed, and through no fault of ours, I mean, if I were an operator, you were just, you know, trying to bat off the next thing that got thrown at you. What we missed was they didn't do a great job from our clients and what we see in contact management and collecting information. So all these new golfers showed up and all our operators say, oh, Jim, we saw all these new faces. And I like, I'm like, okay, who were they? Do you know their email address? Do you know anything about them other than they came to your play your course? Do you know if they played you five times or one time? And they were like, no, we don't know that. So we've been working with them and the POS providers and saying, you know, you have to track this contact information. You have to get an email address. And now since you're touchless, you've got a way to do it. Before when they were showing up at the counter, the question was, you know, well, it's inconvenient to ask them for their email. I've got people stacked up here. It's like now that you've got this touchless transaction, all that stuff is coming to you in the reservation. Right. So what we're advocating for our courses and the people that, you know, ask our advice is we're saying you should know, you know, that Jim was not in your database in 2019 and he was in your database in 2020. Jim is a new customer for you. You should know that Jim played your course three times in 2019 and he came back and played 10 times in 2020. So Jim is an accelerating customer for you. 
you should know that Jim, and this is my case for four or five courses around here that I played in 19 that I didn't get to play in 20. Jim was in your contact information in 19 and he wasn't in 20. You need to reach out to him in 21 because he's likely coming back into the pattern in 21. So the POS companies have the ability to capture that. Um, we're working with several uh, who do. I, I won't name names to just not to shame or, or do any of that. But I would say to the operators, if your POS platform doesn't allow you to capture all that information and do it what we call passively, uh, you should push them on it or look for another supplier who can. Yeah, so I think the big opportunity in 21 is going to be understanding your customers better and marketing to them differentially. So yeah, that's... and just for Rob, sorry, just for no, some please. of our listeners, we we touched on some of these in the kind of tease to your um, golf industry gurus webinar series. We had mm -hmm. some of those folks on that uh, our friends over at One to One Marketing talked about the importance of contact management and email marketing and all sorts of things. So just for the listeners, you know, go to the Golf Wire. Uh, podcast page and, and look for, for that episode you can you can get uh, some of that information and i don't know are some of your webinars are they yeah they're all archive? they're all available yeah uh, there are six episodes they're all still available you know we started out with uh what the <clears throat> just yeah. just happened in yeah. uh in in 2020 and uh kind of carried it all the way through you know what's the game plan for for 2021 uh, across those six episodes so they're still available yeah i'll um, put links in the in the show notes because yeah, we, we have can, quite a few operators that, that would be good because that that kind of leads me to the next thing here jim uh, i mean I, I work with a lot of course operators and we've actually even started programs at, at gallus to help course operators in marketing their their business because the bandwidth and the wherewithal sometimes it's just not there for a course operator to just maintain running a busy business and still doing all of this i mean this is not super high level marketing but it's 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 higher level when they're really getting in they're they're analyzing their database they're looking at engagement levels and and what's going on and determining you know what marketing campaigns apply to which you know which types of engagement that, that are going on what are your recommendations when it comes to you know a course operator digging into this analysis and running the, the the right kind of campaigns you know what's what's the right path for for a course operator i know that time like i said bandwidth time and wherewithal are not necessarily there for every course operator so what do they do in that case yeah, I think our advice, uh, and, and a lot of this is influenced by uh, my colleague, Stuart Lindsay, who's forgotten more about some of this stuff than I know. I mean, it's basically crawl, walk, run. So as you think about it, the crawl stage is the POS, several of the POS providers have captures and automation of email for what we call defectors and acquired customers. So that's simply, you know, get together with your POS provider and say, hey, I want you to identify at the beginning of the season all my defectors and i want to send a monthly email out to them and they can set it up as an auto out you've got a constant message this is hey we missed you in 20 we'd love to have you back it either has an offer in it uh, you know free range balls or something like that or it's just an outreach that says hey we missed you last year we'd love to have you back right. so and the same thing for new customers when somebody plays in the first time this year in a month the POS providers, several of them have the ability to auto-generate a message that says, hey, we're glad you came out and played. We'd love to have you back. Again, it can have an offer or it may not. 
just the recognition that you were there. I mean, you think about when you go someplace, a restaurant or something, and somebody recognizes you as a new guest. I mean, that sticks. It, it's something that says, hey, they, they knew who I was. So that's crawl. I mean, walk is getting into more complicated things. Uh, we have a program called customer franchise analysis and working on the back of the POS system, it identifies who are your top 20% spenders? Are they accelerating in spending or decelerating in spending? We've put together programs for courses where we had a top 25 thing and we could identify the top 25 spenders and they had an overrun of hats from the previous year and they sent them out and got them embroidered with the ranking number of the golfer for spending importance <laughs> to the golf course. Wow. And so all of a sudden, you know, and most of these guys and gals know each other. So they show up at the course and this one's got a five on their hat and this one's got a 15 on her hat. And it's like bragging rights on the course. And so, you know, it's just simple, stupid little thing like that. But you have to know who's valuable to you and how valuable are they? Right. So that's kind of walk and, and the run stuff that Stuart and I are exploring. This gets really interesting and fun. There's a couple companies out there that we've been talking to and we've piloted with a couple courses where they're doing contact management appends. So now this is companies who are maintaining massive files of emails, yours, mine, Kyle's, we're all in there. And basically they're appending demographics and behavior from other public domain sources. So now I can send a list of a thousand people in my database and it will come back and tell me what percent of them are male versus female, what percent of them are between the age of 25 and 30 and 55 and 60. It will tell me, you know, things about uh, their uh, recreational habits. They ski. It will tell me about whether they have kids or not. So now you start getting into the fun part. And this, Rob, to your point, takes a lot more work and, and you know, is really for those who have mastered one and two. But basically, now I can go out there and say, gee, I had new customers last year who played my course. I know they're males over the age of 50, so they have discretionary time in many cases. And I know their household income is between 100 and 200K. I know they have money. And now think about the messages and the fun that you could have and right. saying, I want to own that person for their golf experience for the 21 season. Right. Great. So all sorts of fun from very simple to very complex. Yeah. And most courses just aren't geared up for that. You know, it takes about five minutes to hit the send button on an email campaign and only an hour to design it, but five days, probably, if you're going to do the, the segmentation right and, right and and identify which audience gets which message. Well, and part of it is uh, you're going to get to a point where you have to outsource this. So if you think about it, as I mentioned, and Rob mentioned, I mean, one-to-one -one marketing, for example, can do the crawl stuff. And so if you're partnered with one-to-one -one marketing, that's as simple as having a conversation with one-to-one -one and saying, how do I turn this functionality on in my software? Uh, the walk stuff, you know, gets into dealing with the, the point of sale provider, because now you've got to be able to access the T-sheet and the uh, register, you know, the money side of it. So that's a conversation with your POS provider and then saying, hey, I can do this. If you set it up for me so that I can ac access the information, I can do that stuff. And eventually when you get to the end stuff where we're segmenting the customers by their spending value and we're appending that contact information, it, again, it, I have a selfish interest in this, but that you're better off outsourcing that to an expert and saying, hey, I need help doing this. 
there's $5,000 of economic benefit to me in doing it right. If your services cost less than $5,000, that's a conversation that I want to have, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, very good. Well, I think we are in for an exciting season. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see where it leads, what's going on. Jim, I think we're in a good spot to have the conversation about uh, bringing you back on a, a third <laughs> appearance at some point to oh, say, okay, you know, what's, what's really going on now that uh, 2021 is unfolding and, and, and things are happening. I mean, hopefully we see a lot of the stars align again this year, but with a better, um, you know, a, a better situation with regards to anything pandemic related. But when I'm talking about other stars aligning, I mean, playable days, I think we're up in, in 2020 with regards to weather, or at least we're in a good spot versus, you know, a, a completely rainy June or whatever those numbers were. So if we can, uh, to your point, maintain part of that gain also the, the the playable days are in a good spot i know when we're talking about numbers in in texas in particular in january can't imagine the playable day number there is great uh considering all the weather situations that have been going on although that's been more february i guess yeah well but, if you if you track snowfall data in texas i mean that would be interesting <laughs> yeah for sure yeah well as you guys heard on the state of the industry right now the golf playable hours forecast is up four percent for 21 so uh stewart's famous quote is if there were a uh, hall of fame for weather forecasters and you had to bat 333 lifetime to get in there would be no weather forecasters in the yeah. the hall of fame so the caveat is right now gph our call is up four percent uh, so that's a tailwind. And then, as you guys know, uh, hopefully next time I come on, uh, we're launching an initiative called Golf Market Research Center. Yes. And if we're able to get that up and running, I'll have, you know, better quantifiable evidence from the courses participating in the pilot uh, to say we have a better idea as to what rounds golf revenue and discount rates are uh, for the 21 season. So just a quick little plug on that for those who haven't heard of it yet, and we're just now launching it. Um, one of the sins of 2020 for the industry was we really were flying blind in the face of all this upside. Really, all we had were rounds and kudos to Tom Stein and Golf Data Tech. I mean, through the midst of that, they maintained rounds tracking at the national level and the state level. Um, but 20 years hence, uh, we talked about this in golf 2020 in November of 2020. Uh, it's a sin that we don't know on a national level for the states and the key markets, how many rounds got played, whether that was up, what the golf revenue was. I mean, one of the things we said rounds were up 14%, a missing link though, is did revenue go up 14%? Did revenue go up 20% behind those rounds or did revenue actually, we only got 5% because you know we changed the play patterns etc so we're launching in 2021 uh, golf market research center it'll be backed by pellucid our science and our math and rob uh, you paid me a nice compliment uh, before the show here when you said hey if it's done by pellucid it'll be done right uh, that's a reputation that we've uh, worked over 20 years to establish and so we're asking pilot courses to participate there will be no charge initially uh, you can email me at jim at PellucidCorp, P-E-L-L-U-C-I-D-C-O-R-P.com. Um, and we will assign your facility to the IGDB, the Internet Golf Course Database. 
will open the portal where you can put in those three numbers for the past three years. Um, and we will, you'll be able to see immediately after you put the numbers in, you know, what your rounds, your comps were. We'll put the weather data in so you'll know your utilization and your rev par, and we'll also calculate your discount rate for you as well. So we'll be in pilot for about 45 days. So anybody who wants to put their numbers in and see those reports can do so for free. And then after that, we'll come out with the rollout program. Uh, there will, will be some charge for it. It will not be free. Uh, but Stuart and I have worked really hard to figure out how to make it affordable for the vast majority of the 15,000 courses in the country. We will make sure that all that contact information is in the show notes here yep. uh, as well. So those of you that driving in your car or whatever while you're listening to this and weren't able to write it down, you'll be able to pull it up within the notes for the show. So perfect. So hopefully when we come back in June, uh, I'll have numbers from five or 600 courses across the country and we'll be able to uh, say, here's how we're tracking. And uh, I, I think it's going to be good news at least through the end of June from a comp standpoint, but we'll see. Yeah. The year over year for the, for the first half of the year is probably going to be amazing. And then, like you said, it could be a little bit of a cliff on the backside of that. Um, but hopefully that 416 number sticks yep. and you make it into the hall of fame for procaster <laughs> prognosticators. That's right. Prognosticators. <laughs> yeah. I think the only weather forecasters that have made it there are here in my backyard in San Diego. We just say 70, 70 and sunny. They tell that that's the standing joke. Bring seven different outfits for an hour and record it for the, to your whole week in an hour but as opposed to san francisco where i can move across that city in the same day and yeah. be in seven different climate zones up there that's nuts yeah that's i freeze in that city so <laughs> i think mark twain said the coldest i've ever been is summer in san francisco i was about to drop that quote that's right yeah. Well, Jim, it's always a pleasure. I know you're one of our most requested guests and uh, listen to episodes. So I, I think that points highly to the, the insight that you bring and, and the forecast and the data and everything. So thanks for all that you do. You bet. I appreciate that. And it's uh, my pleasure. Uh, and as you guys know, I, I just have a passion for the operator out there in this industry. I would love to see it, you know, regain its former footing and just, you know, climb again after 20 years of uh, you know, me being the bearer of much bad news, bearer but bad news. those are the facts. Right. Very good. Thank you, Jim. We've got some exciting stuff coming up on some future episodes as well. Um, some recording that we're going to be doing here shortly that we're excited to be sharing with you. Kyle and I are back in the saddle. We're so back to, to a regular cadence. So stay yes. tuned to the GIR. Very good. Thanks again, Jim. All right. You guys be Talk safe to you and stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you.